You know who's not drying their potatoes? Miss Allison Roman. Me. I aspire to having a special segment on the show called, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. I'm not drying my potato. Hello, I'm Allison Roman and welcome to Solicited Advice, the podcast where I get to do what I love most, give advice. Each week, I'm joined by a very special guest and several very special advice seekers as we do our best to solve all of, or at least one of, your problems. Today's very special guest for our very special Thanksgiving episode is Emil Stonic. Emil and I met, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. I don't know why that feels important every time you introduce a person. Like, we became friends. It's like, who cares? Emil and I worked together at Bon Appetit, um, where we met maybe 10 years ago. And very quickly, I realized he was one of those people that I was like, oh, you're my food person. He's also one of my people people, but food person specifically in that like, we think about food very similarly. We talk about food very similarly. We obsess over it very similarly. We have different tastes, but at the end of the day, we're like equally dedicated to it. He's a brilliant writer, a wonderful editor, a terrific friend, a great roommate. We lived together during the pandemic. And I am so, so thrilled to be able to talk about Thanksgiving with him. I am so happy to have you on this podcast. And when I was like, oh, we should definitely do a Thanksgiving episode, you were the only person I wanted to do it with. You're my favorite person to talk about food and cooking with. I think we're going to say, you were my second choice, but like... (laughs) You were a strong third, but other people (laughs) were booked. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I love cooking with you. I love talking about cooking with you. I love your opinions. I love your thoughts. You have like Shucks. a similar but decidedly different perspective than me, which always makes me feel like I'm like considering something new or learning something when we talk about cooking. Well, you know, I feel like you and I are able to like coexist with a certain kind of like, there's like a certain special way that we're able to coexist in the kitchen, you know? Mm-hmm. We also like kind of like came up at like, together in cooking. Yeah. Like at a certain like important moment in our lives. And I feel like we both know how to have opinions about food. God, do we love an opinion. And also like also know that those opinions are kind of like just a thing that we do to ourselves, you know? Right. And respect the person even when we disagree with the opinion. Yes. Yes. I think think chief among them to me most like the, the hallmark case of that would be the crispy gone soggy, which is that you enjoy it. I hate it. And like that said, I still think you have impeccable taste. You know, it's just sometimes not my taste, but you know, to each their own. I'm always going to want my food wetter than you like your food. Yeah. And that's just- You love sauce. Boy, do you love sauce. Wet food. I'm a wet food guy. How do you, but you can't cut wet food. You can't hold wet food. It's difficult to eat. That's your thing about all of your things is that it's like, it's not that you don't like the thing. It's just that you have very particular feelings about the thing. It's like, you you will eat a sandwich, but it's just- Of course, you've seen me. You've seen I've, me do I've it. seen it with my own two eyes, but it's just like a particular, yeah. you're looking for a particular kind of sandwich, you know? Yeah. And, and a segue that I didn't see coming, because I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but food touching is a really sensitive issue with Thanksgiving because mm. I think when you're making your plate, there are two schools of thought. Are you like loading up being like, I'm making one trip, everything's going to be on the plate and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy myself. Or are you like, I'm going to sort of course myself out. I'm going to like course make sure the foods are out. evenly spaced. Are you well, crazy? I don't mean like, I don't mean like we're at like La Bernadette. You're I mean, like, oh, I'm going to enjoy my like, mashed potato course now. I've, I've never been to La Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should go. 
Yeah, we should. Shouldn't we oh, go? Double that would be nice. That Get the tuna fun. shaped like the tuna. Yeah, we shaped do like that. the. Yeah. Shaped like the fish. Oh, Is it shaped yeah. Like, also I shaped like that. It was shaped like the fish. <laughs> it's supposed to be shaped like the fish because that's not what I Wait, see when no, I see no, the no. tuna. In in my brain, <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> oh my god! It absolutely was the body of a fish with the tail of a fish, like a Jesus fish. But you're totally right, and it is. That is not no, the shape. The shape. If you're curious, shape. please, please Google the Bernadette tuna Honey, and see what we're shape. talking about with your own eyes. Oh my god! Wow, that's like some roar shark shit. I know. I wouldn't be able to unsee it. That's like any time I've ever photographed a sweet potato. I'm like, I can't think. I can't unsee it. What do you see in the sweet potato? The same thing oh, I oh, see oh, when oh, I look co- at the Bernadette sorry, tuna dish. Co- <laughs> sorry, you're talking about like a cooked. Like sweet potato. Yeah, I'm talking okay. like a baked sweet potato that I, like you <laughs> split down the middle, fill with butter and honey yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. the fuck. No, I know. Yeah. I was what I was imagining was like a raw, just a raw tuber, like no, sitting on the counter. Category. And I'm like, what are what are you seeing there? No, and honestly, it's informed like my recipe development. In that, like, because I know that the recipe I'm developing has to be photographed, I'm like all right, well, we're going to... I mean, I don't really cook with or eat sweet potatoes that often, but like, I'm like, we're going to cut it into coins. We're going to smash it. We're going to, you know, we're going to roast then smash. We're going to, we're going to do other things to it than treat it like in its most simple form, which is parted down the middle and filled with stuff. (laughs) It's, it's a different shape than an Idaho is all I'm saying. It is a different, yeah, it's a different, it's a different thing. But to the plates, the plate, Um, the Thanksgiving plates. Yeah, exactly. Coursing. Exactly. No, I my Thanksgiving plate is uh, would be disgusting to you. It is it is everything all at yes. once. It is like to the <laughs> edges. It is like everything is touching everything else. Are you gravy everywhere? Um, no, I'm not gravy everywhere. I am gravy. I think I'm really only gravy on the turkey because also wow. in my family the mashed potatoes are not really gravy mashed potatoes because it's my dad's mashed potatoes that have sour mm. cream and cottage cheese in them. And so yeah. they're kind of like, I mean, it's not that they're not good with gravy, but it's not the like blank canvas, like right. palms puree with the well in the middle with like all of the gravy in it, you know? Yeah. But I feel like because of what I'm doing to my plate, it's like every, you know, the fun of it is like all of the different bites in every possible combination of things. Yeah, what an adventure for you. It is, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm especially excited about this episode because I do like a Thanksgiving hotline every year on Instagram and it feels so ephemeral. It feels so fleeting. It feels too short. And even when you save the story to highlights, a phrase I can't believe I just uttered yep. aloud and as a it. 38-year-old woman, mm-hmm. I did. I'm like, I want this information to live louder, to live longer, to like, let's talk about it. And I do it in home movies as well. Like there's a Thanksgiving episode, of course, which has already come out by the time this episode's come out. So hopefully you've already watched it like five times. But the whole impetus for that too is like, I'm here to answer the questions because I'm like, one day I'm going to answer all the Thanksgiving questions and like everyone's going to know. And yet every year it's more questions and the same questions. Mm -hmm. I could do a podcast that's just Thanksgiving questions like year round. Like, you know, the Christmas stores that are like, we're a Christmas store, 365. And you're like, why? But don't you think, isn't part of, I mean, I don't know, to me, as somebody who has also spent a large chunk of my adult life answering people's Thanksgiving questions. Yeah. The questions are the same, 
but sometimes the answers become different as you, you know, like you get tired of the old answer. You're like, you know what? Oh my God. You don't need to make rolls. Just buy rolls, you know, or like whatever the bad example, but like whatever the thing is, it's like, as you evolve as an advice giver, the, Mm -hmm. the advice, it changes. It has a slightly different flavor every year. So I don't think Allison, you're ever going to answer all of the questions or be able to like dust your, I don't know what, brush, brush it off, brush your, wash, <laughs> like wash your hands. detective. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm you won't be able to wash your hands of the, of the responsibility that you have to answer people's no. questions. Because, Nor do I want to. I yeah. always want this job. I yeah. want to always have it. And even if I have to answer the same questions, but you're totally right. And there was one in particular that sticks out as like a question that I've always answered the same every year. And this year I changed my answer. It's actually two questions related to the same dish. And it's about mashed potatoes. Which again, I know that I've had your dad's mashed potatoes through you and they're phenomenal. And like, honestly, like my preference for mashed potatoes, like in style and flavor. But for like classic, whatever gravy style, it's like, do you need a rice or do you need a this? Do you need a that? And I'm always like, no, because I don't believe in a smooth, like palm puree. Like that's not what we're making. We're making mashed potatoes. We should have texture. It should have lumps. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, guys. This year, I'm trying a ricer. I'm gonna do it. I'm. Are you happy now? And I did it. And I did not think it was necessary. I was like, this is a waste of my time, a waste of my money, a waste of the counter space. No one needs to do this. Does it work? Sure, I guess. But like, does a wooden spoon work if you cook the potato properly? Wait, yeah. so your answer changed? Your answer didn't change. My answer didn't change. My answer my approach changed in that like, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe my Mm. mashed potatoes could be creamier, could be smoother, could be more lump-free, could be easier if I just used a ricer. Right. No, the answer is no. So I guess my answer didn't change, my approach changed, but my answer did change for, can you make the mashed potatoes ahead? I was always like, Mm. no, Mm -hmm. just make them the day of. Make them the day of, keep them warm on the back burner and serve them when you're ready. People are ab- Obsessed, obsessed with the idea of wanting or needing to make mashed potatoes, quote, ahead, like a day ahead, two days ahead. And then finally I was like, do whatever you want. Who cares? So I made mine a day ahead and I was like, and then the next day I just reheated them. Were they yeah. as good as they were the second I made them? No, frankly. Were they still really great? Yes. Yeah. It, you like, know, that who is, cares? That's such a weird one. <laughs> like you can make it's so, so many things ahead and the mashed potato. I mean, also just like I in know. my family, the ma- and I think a lot of it has to do with people doing these Thanksgivings where like everybody's traveling from near and far, bringing a dish. I think that's mm-hmm. where that comes from. I don't think it's like how can I figure out? And I think they're like, well, my job is to make the mashed potatoes, and I'm going over to my parents' house, and it's just like just make the mashed potatoes yeah. at the house. It's not. It's as <laughs> as somebody who grew up in a household where it's like we cook as the hosts we cook all the food and like a right. few people, like somebody brings like an appetizer. Somebody sure, brings a like a pie, but right. by and large, we're making everything. The mashed potatoes, we are like boiling the mashed potatoes at like five, the, the potatoes for yeah. the mashed potatoes at like five. Yeah. The turkey is like about to come out of the oven and it's like the water's on, the potatoes are there and you just turn it on and then they get mashed last minute. I don't, it just doesn't seem like it's that, it's not that big of a deal. That's the thing that I struggle with most because I realize that like as a person also who doesn't have children, who doesn't have like time constraints in the same way, like 
I'm sure once I do and my family changes, like I will be like, oh, you know what? I used to do it this way, but I don't have time for that anymore. But as a person who like doesn't have as much to consider, the do ahead has never crossed my mind. And I have the most difficult time relating to that. But this year I did try to like take that more into consideration. But anyway, we have so much to say. I'm not kidding. This could be, we could do five episodes. And this one's just on mashed potatoes. (laughs) Great. Well, on that note, I think it's time to take our live callers. Thrilled to welcome Lindsay to the show. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, thank you. Great Hi, to meet Lindsay. you guys. I'm a little starstruck, to be honest. Oh, no. It's just <laughs> just us in our gray and white apparel uh, here to answer your Thanksgiving questions. How can we help? So my husband and I are traveling to be with his family. My parents are actually coming too. And we thought as a surprise, we would uh, schedule a family photo shoot. We've never really done this before, but uh, it's something that I thought would be cute. We have a, a 15-month-old, so the grandparents are obsessed with her, and uh, I thought it'd be it'd be a fun memory. The problem or question is that my sister-in-law is coming, who I'm very close with and love, but her boyfriend is also joining us this time. It's been sort of like on and off for a long time, so we know him, but not sure if it's right for him to be in the photo, but not really sure how to approach it. I don't know that he necessarily would want to be in it, but at the same time, Mm. it feels weird to exclude him, but also weird to include him. What's the vibe? Do you guys get along? Like, do do people like him or Um, like, what's the issue here? Like, is it like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's, he's not our favorite, to be honest. Okay. And you're like, you might break up again. Yeah. I think that like, you know, they live together now, so we might be, we might be in it for the long haul, but it's just sort of like a weird thing where I feel like it's for the grandparents, but you know. My question is, if it was like, all right, family photo time, is this boyfriend going to be the kind, is he the kind of guy who's like, oh, that means me. Like, does he <laughs> think of himself as part of the family or would he be a little like, oh, no, 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 you guys should take the photo. Like, it's I kind of think you'd be the latter where like, uh-huh. He's like a little like aloof, not much of a joiner in that sense where like... We hate him. Mm-hmm. They got to break mm-hmm. up. So Get her on the pod. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's call her right now. But yeah, so... And I, I'm sure like, you know, maybe there's a way that we can talk to the photographer too to be like, let's do a bunch of different options. But I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, especially my sister-in-law. So... Yeah, I would say that's the easiest and like path of least resistance where it's like Thanksgiving is unfortunately about... Uh, sometimes doing things you don't want to with people you don't necessarily love, which is the opposite of how most people would describe Thanksgiving. They're like, Thanksgiving's about being together with the people that you love. And I'm like, Thanksgiving's about doing things you don't want to do with people you hate. You're like, Thanksgiving is a dentist appointment. Yeah, exactly. At the DMV. But no, there's like, there is a bit of that like give and take where you're like, it's the holiday. Like there's, sure. we're, we're stuck here. Like this is our reality. Right. So I think, in the event that I've been in this type of position, not with family, but like with a party or an event or something, and you're trying to like get the photo of the people that you want the photo to be of, you say like, okay, let's take a photo and then let's just get you two and then you two. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of make it easy, especially if like you're not being charged per photo. I'm sure it's like an hourly rate. Yeah. And hopefully he'll solve the problem for you. But yeah. we got okay. like a, a lot of, messages, voicemails, and questions about this sort of very thing to varying degrees of like, how do we 
do this thing when I don't like this person that's either coming or who's hosting or we're not sure if they should be invited. Like Mm -hmm. this holiday tends to bring up so much of that and sort of irregardless of what I just said about Thanksgiving being about doing things you don't want to do with people you don't like. (laughs) I do think it's like best to sort of approach it like, if my sister-in-law loves this person and I love my sister-in-law, let's get a photo with us all together. Let's also just make sure we get one without uh, in case they break up again. Just in case. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I guess also I feel like there is there is something special about the fact that like every Thanksgiving is a little bit different, you know, even when you have like, you know, it's like you have this, you might cook the same food every year or have like, or something close to the same food every year or have like something close to the same group of people every year. So I I do feel like there's something about like, when I look back on photos, like when I was a kid, my uncle, like all, there was a period of time, he like always brought a different girlfriend and it was like (laughs) kind of, nice. You and, dog you. <laughs> and and it was, I mean, that, that's my memory of it. It was actually in reality, probably like two or three different people over like sure. 10 years. But to me, it was like, oh, it's Monica. <laughs> oh, it's like, person. and like looking at photos, you're kind of like, oh, remember when, you know, right. like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, this is like a stain on this family photo. No, totally. Of course. <laughs> Monica ruining well, everything again. Monica was cool. I mean, I I like my aunt and his <laughs> wife now so much more, but there it is kind of this like time capsule also. Mm-hmm. So it's like I guess yeah, I would fair. say like yeah, what Allison said. That's get really a lot good of, advice. Get a lot of options, but if sure. it's like ends up being like the one photo where everybody's smiling is with this guy, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. You know, yeah, yeah. we'll make it through. Not to not to make this about me. Uh, <laughs> someone recently said to me this is our wedding, not a photo shoot. Hmm. And in a similar, it was at our wedding. And it was my husband who said that. Because I was like, the photos need to be like this and they need to be perfect. And this needs to be like that. And he's like, it's not a photo shoot. And he's like, it's right. our wedding. It's like, a, a, and I'm like, okay, reframe to like more align with what Emil just said. We're like, this is a snapshot in time. This is where we are today. This is what the weather looked like. This is who was there. This is what you looked like. This is what you wore. It doesn't have to be perfect. Correct. Exactly. So I feel like there is a bit of that you can incorporate. But yes, I think that like being like this isn't going to be like, we don't know who's coming, who's going. And Mm -hmm. this is who was there this year. What a nice little family album. (laughs) Cool. No, I think that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. We hope that was helpful and good luck. And let's hope that they solve the problem for themselves. They might. We'll see. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you, you too. Yeah, it's funny. I I was thinking about uh, looking... I was looking at our wedding photos recently. Not our, you you and me, but uh, Lauren and my uh, wedding photos. (laughs) No, we did Um, not get married. (laughs) We did not get married. This is my ex-wife. Oh, because it was your anniversary. Yeah. Five five years? Five years, yeah. And it was so Mm -hmm. funny because it's like there are, you know, as happens, there were so many people who were there who are like not necessarily even in my life anymore. And like people, you know, like somebody's, there's like a great shot of like my friend and his girlfriend and she's like drinking champagne from the bottle. And like, they broke up like four years ago and I haven't seen her since. (laughs) She's wonderful. But I'm like, we'll always look at that. Like, it's like one of the best photos from the wedding. And I'll always be like, oh, Amara. So, yeah, it's Amara. Or like, you know, somebody that like, you're like, wow, I'm really glad that they broke up because like, never have to see that person again. Yeah. It wasn't the best for the photo. The photo is great, but it was the best for them that they split. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. As a person who grew up in like an extremely socially transient way, my mom always had new friends, new lovers, new people, new aunts, new uncles. You know, it's like, oh, your uncle, whoever. And like when you're little, everyone's your uncle and aunt. Right. I don't know these people anymore. But like I look at photos of my youth and I'm like, oh yeah, we spent Christmas with these people. (laughs) But so I don't know. I think maybe I'm like less attached to that. And I think that that's also really personal to be like, this family photo feels really sacred and important. And like having this person in there would ruin it. It's kind of like, okay, we'll take the photo and then take another version. And then, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, that was, that was a good like dipping our toe into family etiquette Thanksgiving. Let's take our next caller. Okay, let's welcome to the show, Claire. Hi, nice to meet you guys. Hi, Claire. Hi. How can we help you? I had a question for you guys. I lost my parents a little bit ago, and uh, my siblings and I all cook just kind of to, to remember them and feel close to them. And we have a few recipes that um, our mom left, and they're parts of recipes. They're kind of partial. We have some chicken scratch, but we can't quite get... They're not what they used to be. And so I was curious if you had any like quick and dirty like recipe testing, just like tips for when you're trying to recreate something that, you know, you used to have or, you know, trying to get something back to what it was. Yeah. I'm so sorry, by the way. That is I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. My, when my dad, my dad always submits a question when I ask people to. Um, And he wrote that he didn't have a question. He just wanted to say thank you for, after my grandfather passed away, Thanksgiving was his favorite holiday. I like made the meal. And he's like, that's my favorite memory, blah, 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 blah. And so I guess like the, the quick answer would be like, I understand the desire to get it exactly how it was. But I think that's like the beauty of cooking is that it's, it really is so personal to that person that even like attempting to come close is really special. But also like it may never be the same. So I would more focus on it being yours or your family's, your siblings or whatever, and sort of like using it as a stepping stone rather than trying to like get to a place that might just not be possible. Like not in a, in a negative way. Well, I also think that the beautiful thing about Thanksgiving, and I think this is like definitely a thing that Allison and I think about a lot, like working in food for as long as we have. And like Thanksgiving is not just one day. It's like all of these days leading up to it and all of this planning and testing and tweaking. But I think the beauty of it is that it is iterative. You have the opportunity every year to work on those recipes and to perfect them. And, you know, that that is like this space of memory making and remembering. And even if something isn't exactly how you remember it, you get to experience that kind of tension between like what you're eating and what you remember and think about how you're going to do it differently next year. I mean, I, I think also to your question, like, a lot of the recipe testing stuff is not necessarily like super practical to do. I mean, if you're like, right, like, are you going to like on a Saturday make three versions of mashed potatoes, isolating like one variable each time and seeing like, I mean, you certainly can do that. Emil might, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Um, I was trying to avoid. Yeah. 
is there like a specific recipe that you're you've been like futzing around with and you're having a hard time getting right? Yeah, I think um, all of us are really chasing stuffing. That was mm. I think all of us um, really like that one. And my sister kind of got close last year. And so, yeah, I think we're doing something similar where like Every every year we're probably getting a little bit closer, but are you like it's not flavorful enough, or it's not it's like missing a seasoning, or the texture's wrong? Like where where are you at? With I it? feel like it's missing a seasoning. I feel like we're just there's there's I think the texture's fine. It looks really similar, yeah, but I think we're just like missing something that she likely didn't write down, or like an amount is wrong. What's the vibe of the stuffing? Like, can you describe it a little bit? It's so there's there's sausage in it. It's not super wet. There's definitely like crispy bits. There's the the veggies are still like a little bit crunchy. Like the celery and stuff still have a little bit of of crunch to them. Um, so texture wise, I feel like it's pretty. Like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the like really custardy like small like like wet sort of stuffing. If that makes sense. What kind of bread are we working with? Mm, I'm trying to remember. I haven't I haven't looked at it yet this year, so I haven't taken a look, but uh, I want to say maybe it's a sourdough, but I'm not super sure. The last question is, what is the, um, like, are you using, like, canned or, like, boxed chicken stock, or are you using, like, homemade turkey stock? Uh, it's boxed. It's boxed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was, she, was she doing boxed? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, big Costco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. Well, it's tough to know. It's tough to reverse engineer without trying it ourselves that that becomes tricky. But I will say, if you're pretty sure that the ingredients are there, if you're like, okay, I know it's these things, my instinct is like the onions aren't being cooked long enough or like there's like a step where flavor isn't being developed enough. But I think that like more often than not, when food doesn't taste the way you remember and all the ingredients are the same, it's like, oh, I cut the onion too big or I didn't cut the onion small enough. Or there's like one small thing that does make a really huge difference. And also I think for stuffing, especially it's type of bread. And then in this case, also type of sausage. But if you're like, I know this is the bread. I know this is the sausage. It's box stock. It's whatever. There's a way to like maybe... If uh, the way that the recipes are written, is there like a time instruction portion or is it mostly just ingredients? No. So we have part of it and there isn't like a lot of how to. So it's a lot of just ingredients. And then the ingredients that she's added are kind of like penciled in on the side and in true like mom form, there really aren't measurements. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also where we're playing around with like amounts of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think like it's also part of a fun tradition to like try to crack this code every year and almost thinking of it as like a thing that isn't really attainable, but like attempting to come close every year is part of the tradition of like, here we go again. Like, I don't (laughs) think you need to turn your house into a test kitchen. I can't recommend that. But just being like, we're going to make it this year. It's going to be great. It's not going to be the same, but we're going to come close. And like, oh, actually last year was much closer and somebody else disagrees with you. And they're like, wait, no, this year is closer. And like, I don't know, it's like you're creating this own tradition. And in doing that, I think remembering your mom in this really beautiful way and like making, you know, it's kind of like a way of communicating with her um, in her absence rather than being like, well, we've nailed it. Now it's time to move on. It's like kind of like an ongoing conversation. Yeah. 
That's a nice way to think about it. Yeah. I will say also, and this is like slightly nerdier. I think like back to the boxed uh, (laughs) stock. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was going to say like, I think that everything that Allison said, and I think that also it's good to keep a record of like what you did do, you know, like Mm. in, Mm -hmm. in making it. And like, I wish I was better at this, but sometimes I have like a note on my phone or like a Google doc or something where I'm like, you write down what you did do this year. You know, it's like, oh, we used Jimmy Dean stuffing and we used like the low sodium chicken stock and some amounts just because a whole year passes. And then you're like, Wait, what What did we do last what did year? I do? Which bread yeah. did we use? And I don't think you need to get like super, super technical about it and like weigh everything out in grams or anything. But I think it's good to like at least have that frame of reference if you are kind of, wanting every year to get a little bit closer to that. It's good to at least remember what you did last year. Mm -hmm. And I think also that's like how a lot of our recipes come to be, generally speaking, where it's like, these are based off this thing that I had this one time or that was in my family forever. I had a similar thing with like my grandpa's dilly rolls. I have no idea what they really tasted like because the last time I had them, I was like eight years old. But I remember them tasting like amazing. Like I remember them being wonderful. That's my only real memory and I remember the first time I made it, I was like, I don't think this is right. But I couldn't really figure out why because I my memory was like not as good, obviously. But I ended up working towards something that I liked. And I'm sure it's different. And I'm sure the recipe is different. I'm sure there's like a secret ingredient or a, a step missing or something. But that's kind of like also how a new thing is born or how something evolves, but like is rooted in family or history or another person's story. And I think that's how a lot of recipes come to be, like in existence. Makes sense. Thank you. Claire, thank you so much. I think it's really beautiful that you are continuing that tradition. And I wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself to make it perfect because the fact that you're doing it at all, I feel like is the point. That is that is the 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 thing. That is the end goal. And life's a journey. <laughs> stuffing <laughs> is a stuffing is really a journey. Stuffing is um, it's just the best it's the best part. So you gotta, yeah. I know. And you you know, one one final parting word is that I don't really believe one pan of stuffing is enough. And so That's I true. do think that if you're like, I'm going to make my version of mom stuffing and someone else is going to make their version, you can kind of treat that as like a ritual too of like, we're, we're all trying to get close. And like, I like the texture of yours. I like the flavor of mine. How do we get closer next year? Like, that's fun. And I, I think like also collaborative and then you can always ensure that you have two pans of stuffing. I like that a lot. Yeah. That <laughs> uh, is sound advice. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling, Claire. We hope you have a beautiful holiday. Thank you. You as well. Thanks Thank for having you, me. Thank you, Claire. Bye. Bye. That was really sweet. And I, yeah, I feel like there's so much pressure around the holidays when people are like, this person's not here anymore for a number of reasons. And I have to recreate the thing that they contributed. Where my head kept on going was like, there's a secret ingredient and it's not like it's embedded in, it's it's already in there. Mm. It's actually, we were starting with Pepperidge Farm box stuffing mix and adding a little bit more of everything to it. Or like, you know, I feel like so many of yeah. my kind of like taste memories from like family events and Andy. things like that, you're like, oh, that not my dad, because he's very like from <laughs> scratch, you know? But like yeah. something that my aunt brought, like her carrot cake or something, I'm like, definitely it was just like, boxed carrot cake mix. And if I tried yeah. to you make it from scratch, it wouldn't taste the same. 
Or like no. the cream cheese frosting was like actually just Duncan Hines or something. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those really hard to place flavors are just on a long list of things at the back of a box or something. Yeah. Or like the person is like me and forgets to write something down. Or they're like, oh yeah, fuck, sure. there is a little white wine in there. Yes, yes. Or I didn't have white wine. So this one time I made it with vinegar and water and we actually preferred it, but I never changed the recipe because it was, you know what I mean? Like, yes, things are happening fast and loose in that kitchen. People people are moving with the spirit of their senses. It's well, a feeling-based activity. You know, in the tradition of like writing recipes down for like home use, like you're only writing down the things that, you're not going to remember. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. it's like a, if it's a reference for you, you're like, you're always going to remember that you did the like vinegar and water swap that one time. But you might not remember like how many onions you put in it, you know, or like how much bread. Right. How many times have you actually written down a recipe not for work for your own personal home cook usage? You know, I, I do have like a notes, at, like a note on my phone that is kind of like, it's not like, it's not for work, but it's like last year I was on this tip where I was making split pea soup three times a month. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, each time was a little like, I wasn't like trying to make a perfect recipe, but kind of like remembering, like one of the things that I like focused in on was like, I need to remember the the right amount of water to add at the beginning, because that was like kind Mm. of crucial, like it not being too thick. Like, I like my split pea soup, like, yeah. a little gruel-like. Like, you should want to eat yeah. two bowls rather than one. It's not, like, mashed potato texture. And yeah. I was kind of, every time I would do it, I would, like, adjust a little bit. Or, like, oh, well, it, I used, like, a ham hock this time instead of, and then I used bacon this time. And, you know, so there are times, I don't write down formal recipes, but I do take certain mm-hmm. notes. And, and like, again, I'm, like, remembering, I'm writing down the things that I need to remember, not the, yeah. like rest of the things that feel like, yeah, I know I'm going to put like a few ribs of celery. I'm going to put a few carrots. I'm going to put, so it's not formal. I'd love to compare with you. Our split pea soup recipes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some, you know, do you, I'm sure you haven't looked, but do you know my secret vegetable that's in my split pea soup? No, I don't. There's one unsuspecting vegetable in my split pea soup that is like, I'm not saying it's brilliant. I'm saying it's genius. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But it is it is cool, I think. Is it fennel? No. No? Parsnips? Mm-mm. Close, but no. In the same, like, weird family. Like, in the same, like... Turnips? No, close. It's the third in that category that I would, in my categorization brain. You never think of it. It's always at the grocery store. It doesn't matter what grocery store you're at. If you're at a Price Chopper, if you're at a Wegmans, if you're at a whatever, oh it's God. inexplicably always stocked. Like every grocery store has a giant case of them on display. And not one recipe has ever called for this ingredient. No one's cooking with this thing, but yet it's everywhere. And I was like, you know what? That ends today. I'm going to cook with it. I'm going to put it in my split pea soup. What the fuck is it? Because it was just the thing. It's a rutabaga. <laughs> Oh my God, that is weird. It's It acts like a potato in its starchiness. It gives the sweetness in place of a carrot, which obviously I'm not using. Mm-hmm. It is like not, but like it's doing a lot. It's doing all the things with like not that much flavor. It's like yeah. nice texture, a little bit of sweetness, vegetal body. It has like right. a nice, beautiful sort of orangey color. Like it's, it's 
I think the right tool for the right job. I was imagining turnip because I feel like turnip, I mean, and rutabaga does this too, I think. It like makes the split pea soup like even fartier, you know, like in a good <laughs> oh. way. Like there, like the thing about walking into the house where there's split pea soup cooking is that it like kind of smells like farts and I like know. in a way that is like somehow very comforting. Yeah. I, that's you, don't, you don't feel that way? You don't feel like it's kind of farting? No. But like when you're like, no. like the way that like when you're like, like steaming broccoli, I mean, listen, you know? yeah, you're talking to me. I'm like, I'm like more cabbage, more like beans, yes. more like I, queen of, of that. There is somebody who trolls me on YouTube. I don't know who they are. They need to get a fucking life. But every video, they're like, where are the beans, fart queen? I'm like, cool joke, you 12-year-old. I hope they are 12, actually. That that's me. <laughs> that's been me this whole time. I know. I'm like, grow up. Like, how much <laughs> energy would you have to have to spare to, like, consistently troll a person you've never met on YouTube? I'd I've love to know who this, this person is. Because it's definitely, like, it's actually somebody, like, in a suit. Yeah. You know, in like a corner office somewhere. It's like not like a teenager. I don't think it's this like person a, has a job. It's, I know. I think it's like a weird, it's like a weird, like fully grown person who is just like, I know. YouTube is their outlet to like do that kind of thing. You know, they're like otherwise yeah, really buttoned like, up and they're just like have this like dirty little secret that they like comment on all of your YouTube grow videos up. and call you a fart queen. I know. That's like the other thing. I'm, there's approximately one recipe, maybe two. On, on like my 150 plus like catalog on the internet of like YouTube recipes and like two of them use beans and they're like, where are the beans? Like, oh, no <laughs> beans queen. this week? It's like, I did it twice. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. I don't know. It's like also so reaching to be like that, to be like your biggest insult is that I like beans. Grow up. the most wonderful time. It's time for the Chef's Kiss Hotline. It's where we take uh, calls that have been recorded, submitted through voicemail. So if you would like to play this game with us Thanksgiving next year or any other time of year for general questions, advice, marriage, dating, wedding, split pea soup, rutabaga, buzzword, 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 (laughs) you can call our hotline at 856-502-4816. Or you can call me personally at 443. Yeah, Yeah, you should. People will. Skip the line. Yeah, you'll get harassed immediately. And not in like a negative way, just like it would be like an odd slot. You can't be that available to anyone, Emil. You got to set boundaries. Boundaries? I know. What are those? Um, Okay, let's take some calls. Hey, Allison. This is Lauren from Denver. My question is about frozen turkey. Uh, Last year, I bought about three turkeys for different dinners and get-togethers and to make sure that we had leftovers. But I only ended up making two of them. I've had a frozen turkey in my freezer for almost a year now. Can I cook that for this year's Friendsgiving or have I missed out? Thank you. I wonder if we have the same answer. Yeah, I I am curious also. (laughs) I actually think we're going to have the same answer. You 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 do? Okay, who's going first? You go first. I mean, it's your podcast. You should go first. Okay, I'll go first. I I would cook it. Yeah. Furthermore, I mean, I would defrost it and I'd be like, does it smell weird? But if it's been frozen that whole time, it's probably definitely fine. Dude, <laughs> probably I, definitely. we have the same answer because I okay, good. am like, I, I have eaten frozen meat out of my freezer that is years and years old. You know, it's like I, 
I oh, wouldn't, if it's yeah. just, if it, this, we're talking about a one year and also whatever, not all freezers are created equal. No. It's like, if right, you pull right, it right. out, if you pull it out and it's like all icy and like the like vacuum seal has like been broken for a while and you're kind of like, then I might not serve that for like a, you know, big dinner for people that I was trying to impress, but like I would mm. definitely eat it. But you would you would cook like a turkey for for just you and a friend just on a cozy I know. Tuesday. I would probably like thaw it and break it down and like do a couple different yeah. things with it. You know, when I get my free turkey from Shoprite, um, that's what I. Oh yeah, that's what I do. Well, I mean, yeah, those pork chops I fed you last time you were over, honey, those were from twenty twenty one. Yeah, those were <laughs> have been deep in the freeze <laughs> for no, two from years, and they're delicious. Yeah, no, the freezer's yeah, no, amazing. Two, I would thing. say, I mean, two years. Yeah, yeah, that deep freezer was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And you know it, you have one. Oh, yeah. For when we get our whole animals. Mm-hmm. A thing that we like to do. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. I will say, yeah, same answer though. Like with anything that's frozen and thawed that's meat or fish related, if your freezer is one of those that like never really stays closed, things are kind of always freezing and re- melting and refreezing, eh, I don't love it. But if you're like, no, that thing's been like frozen for a year, it's absolutely fine. I have a ham, shocking, that's been in my freezer for a year. And uh, guess no, who's eaten that this year? Maybe Me? you, Emil. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I did, that is taking up, so, I cannot believe that that's in your Brooklyn it's apartment. It's so big. It's, it's like 30 so pounds. Every time I go to get, I, like every time the, the last year I've gone to get ice from your freezer, I'm like, oh, that old chestnut still, still, still hanging out. I know. Yeah. And like one day you're going to come over and I'm going to be slicing the ham and look you in the eye and be like, don't say a word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's take our next caller. Hey, Allison. This is Gina. I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Last year, this is a Thanksgiving related question. Last year, I went wild and just made my own turkey randomly on a weekend before Thanksgiving. So I was traveling for the big day. And what I realized midway through cooking a turkey, which I feel like I had done before, but I was actually using seasoning this time. I have a very, very white mother. I don't know how to treat seasoning. Like when you buy thyme or rosemary, like I don't understand. Like thyme, it came with twigs. I'm pretty sure my turkey had twigs. Do you have a recommendation for a basic bitch? Hey girl, this is thyme. And what we're talking about are the leaves, not the twig part. You know what I mean? Like, is there a book out there I could read? I just feel like a lot of the recipes I was following for Thanksgiving assumed a basic amount of cooking knowledge that I sorely do not possess. So any help you could offer would be great. Keep up the good work. Love your food. Love you. Okay, great. Bye. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, anytime I'm calling for rosemary or time, I almost never call for rosemary, but like time, I'll either say like, I mean, I'm almost exclusively calling for sprigs, like for like roasting or simmering or stock or braise or whatever. So I'll say like sprigs of thyme and they're not meant to be eaten necessarily. They're meant to be fished out at the end, strained out, sort of scattered around the plate, but they're there to like infuse the broth, like infuse the thing, infuse the roasting jus pan. But like, if you are meant to use the leaves, then you you kind of like, if you're watching the video, you can see this. You, you can like strip the leaves from the stalk and then chop those and measure. I'm of the school of thought where like a little twig never hurt anyone. So who cares? But if if a herb grows on a stem, pick it off the stem. Yeah, I think that's... that's I don't know what book tells you that, but... Yeah, I don't know what book tells you that either. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're... It sounds like she's talking about something where it's like a measured quantity of 
the thing. So yeah, pick it off the twigs. And also it's like, you know, there's with time, it's kind of like there are twigs and then there are like the sub twigs, you know? What's a, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That are like too tiny to pluck. Yeah. And so there are like, I think that, and maybe this is like weird advice, but like give something like a little, like give a little nibble, you know? Mm-hmm. The like twigs at the base are like not nice for eating. But like when you're stripping it off and like you do end up with some like leaves attached to little like more tender stems. And that, if you just chop it up, is not going to be something that's going to yeah. be like a weird, bad experience. My advice for anyone who's always like, should I eat this? Could I eat this? Is like, put it in your mouth and chew it and see if you like it. Like, do I need to peel it? It's like, I don't know. Eat it with the peel and be like, do I like this or hate this? I don't know. You know what I mean? Totally. But yeah. And there's nothing basic about that. Hi, Allison. This is Rachel from New York. I have a question about making a good gravy for my gluten-free friends without a roux that's not runny and tasteless. Thanks. What's your starch replacement? Corn? I don't think that would work. I think that you probably want to go in like a like cornstarch slurry direction. That's like, I don't know. I've never made a, a flourless gravy, but I kind of feel like you would what I would like my first thought would be to like reduce your stock so that it's like delicious and concentrated and flavorful season it and then stir in a little bit of cornstarch slurry to give it a little bit of like Mm. thickness. So it's like already kind of thicker because you've reduced the stock down and then Mm. you're just kind of giving it a little bit of body or texture. But I don't know. I've never done that before. Um, me neither. I also like recently have just been like use all purpose cup for cup or all purpose bobs or all purpose whatever. That's like the equivalent that you then sort of treat like flour because I do find like the toasting for like regular flour roux based gravy is it really does give you so much flavor that like I would miss that step maybe. This year I made a brown butter gravy because I didn't make a whole turkey. I did parts. I just did like the legs. And so I was like, I need to toast the flour deeply in the butter, which I'm also browning to create like many layers of flavor because I'm not relying on like the dark, you know, intense drippings of the bird. But if you have like the intense dark drippings of the bird plus stock that's been simmering, yeah, I think cornstarch might be fine for like slurry vibes. Like I would assume that a cup for cup product would work in that same way. I feel like that's the kind of thing that like, like King Arthur has on their website, you know, to like, you know, can, uh, can you use the like cup for cup in a roux in the same way? Yeah. Like, I I don't know. I don't know what's in that stuff, you know? (laughs) There's no telling. I'm assuming it's a mix of like gums and guars and, and like milled and. Can you roux a gum? But if it's. (laughs) Can you guar a roux? I don't, I don't know. But if it's like largely rice flour bait, like rice might be a nice thickener because rice can also toast versus cornstarch, which oh, I don't think toasts. Rice can toast. So like rice can toast, baby. And it tastes pretty good. Unrelated, real quick before we take our next caller. When I say turkey leg to you, what do you think of? What is the shape and part of the bird that comes to mind? When you say leg, I think the drum and the thigh together. That's correct. But I also know that like, when people it. are at the like <laughs> Ren Fair and you say turkey leg, 
they're imagining just the people. Drama. Okay, Emil, people. we all know I love the Ren Fair. That felt very pointed. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so when I was like writing this recipe and I was like, okay, turkey leg, I talked to a turkey farmer at the market, at the farmer's market, and he was like, oh, that's a turkey quarter. And I'm like, well, how come Ooh. when we talk about a chicken leg, we talk about the thigh and the drumstick? It's the full leg. How can we talk about a person? The leg is the thigh and the calf. That's the leg. <laughs> yeah. In this instance, the calf being the drumstick, the thigh being the thigh. A thigh is always a thigh. A drumstick is always a drumstick. Together, they are the leg. But this man was telling me that it was a quarter. Whatever. I just That was just a non sequitur. That was my question. No, sometimes people also do refer to chicken legs in that way. They call them like chicken quarters. Sure. But a leg is a leg, a drumstick is a drumstick, a thigh is a thigh. I agree with you. I agree enough with you. is I enough. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. But I do think like a chicken or a turkey thigh and a turkey drumstick is also just like a lot of meat, you know? Like Yeah, together. Thanksgiving. I mean, not it's I know, not more I than know. a 30 pound bird. <laughs> For Thanksgiving. I know, I know, but people do be like, I think a a, a leg is like a whole leg. It's, it's it's pretty big. Well, you know what I what I found today when I on Google is if you Google chicken leg, the drum and the thigh shows up as an image. But when you Google turkey leg, only the drumstick shows up. Justice for the turkey leg. Justice. Um, okay, yeah, next call. Hi, this is Shannon. I'm from San Francisco, and I would love to know your opinion on raw cranberry relish for Thanksgiving or the traditional gloppy, syrupy, uh, traditional cranberry relish? I think I know your answer, but thanks so much. She hates it. She was really leading the witness there. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's like when I'm like, when I like talk to Max and I'm like, hey, like, what do you want to do tonight? Do you want to like go all the way to the West Village and like meet so-and-so for drinks and then like have to take a car back home later and like, it's raining. It's like all this stuff. I'm like, or do you want to like stay in and get Han Dynasty? Like, I'm like offering two things, but there's one that I'm clearly more into yeah. that I'm like, let's do so that. So where do you stand on cranberry relish? Do you like the awesome raw kind or the <laughs> shitty, gross, disgusting, gloopy kind? Yeah, just, I'm just taking wondering. option C. I'm picking option C, which is that I like the the cooked kind that is neither, that is not too sweet. That is like acidic, bright, tangy, has texture. I also like as option D that and a can of ocean spray. Yeah. I am I'm 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 in the both territory. My my mom makes like that is like one of her Thanksgiving things is like a raw cranberry relish. Um which mm-hmm. is great. And it's got like oranges and apples and like some nuts even in it. Oh like a haroset almost. It's kind of like a That's yeah like, it's kind of like a goyish haroset. Is she like blitzing raw cranberries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like the smallest food processor. She's got like, she has a regular size food processor, but she uses this like 40-year-old like Oster, like two cup thing that she like, and she makes a huge batch. It's awesome. Gina, shout out to Gina. Um, She has no podcast. But (laughs) she, so we always have that. And then my dad like insists on a cooked also, which sometimes is just a can and sometimes is like just a really simple cooked. But I think they're just different things. Like, you don't want the raw relish for sandwiches the next day. You know what I mean? No. Not that that's like a concern. It can also be too but... astringent. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different thing. I made mine this year with just cranberries and honey. 
I did a bottle of honey and two bags of cranberry sauce or cranberries, and I boiled them together, and they're perfect and delicious. Probably, doing that. I would I would reckon like a touched heart mm-hmm. for some people. So I'm like, you know, you can, it's also it makes like a full core <laughs> because I was obsessed with using the whole bear of honey as a unit of measurement. <laughs> I don't know. Those bears come in different sizes too. You know that, right? They're mostly 12 ounces though, across the board. Just saying. But also, even if it's like eight, you know, if it's eight ounces, use a half, use one bag, whatever. All, all TBD. Yeah. Point being is that like you could, a bag of cranberries, a bottle of honey or half bottle of honey and like boil it. That's great. You can add your fresh ginger. You can add your orange juice. You can add your clementines, like whatever. Yeah. But to me, I found that to be like a really nice alternative to like, just cranberry flavor with sugar that was like just leaning sweet. The honey gave like, I also use like a crazy tasting honey. Anyway, enough about me and my cranberries. Uh, It's Chris Black and Jason Stewart from How Long Gone. And we want to tell you about our summer tour. We're going on tour this summer in America. We're we're touching all of the important cities uh, this June, Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta, Washington, DC, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm looking forward to our new cities, St. Paul and D.C., but we'll be on to some of the major first-tier cities later on in the year. Don't worry. So if you live in L.A. and New York... Hush your mouth. That's it. Just L.A. and New York, but yeah. No, London. London. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, So anyway, howlonggone.com is our website. Tickets are on sale now, and uh, we'll see you out there. Next caller. Hi, Allison. My name is Sarah Keen, and I'm calling from Palisade, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking my question. It is a query that I have every year and still have not figured out. I am looking for the perfect salad for my Thanksgiving spread. My family really loves to stick to traditions, the heavy gravies, the stuffings, the green beans, all of that goodness. And I'm always looking for something to balance it out. So I want something that kind of showcases fall flavors, but isn't too heavy and adds something still exciting to our table. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm very curious. Now we've Perfect sound. Well, I mean, I, again, I'm now plugging my most recent menu because that's where I'm at right now. Like in my mind right now, I have made for me this year a great menu that speaks to how I want to be eating. And there's like slight variation year to year, but it's like mostly there's always category salad. And sometimes it's really fruit-based. Sometimes it's like pure leaves. Sometimes it's all fennel. This year I did like um, probably what I think is like the best version. The best version yet? Oh my God. (laughs) She said it. Folks, she said it. While allergic to the phrase fall flavors, I did find myself craving fall flavors. Some fresh fall flavors? I was craving the fresh fall flavors. Yeah. So what I did was also I feel like, and you maybe do this too, like sometimes when you're like recipe developing, it's sort of arbitrary in that like, you're like, oh, I have a bottle of honey here. So I'm going to use that. Or like, I have this on the counter. I'm going to use that. Like sometimes things are born from like instinct or necessity or convenience. And I was making, I knew that I wanted like a, some version of like an apple salad because I wanted like a because I'm not a cranberry relish person, I was missing like a crunchy, acidic, lightly sweet moment. So I did like apples, shaved fennel, some really nice like radicchio, treviso, chicory situation. And then dress that in sherry vinegar, salt, pepper, a little olive oil, 
lots of herbs. I had tarragon, but you can use like tarragon, dill, chive, parsley, whatever. It's like herby. And then the fall flavors come at you hard here. I toasted, finely chopped some pecans, toasted them in a skillet. And then as they're toasted, I added honey to kind of like reduce slightly. And it's like a tiny skillet, some fennel seed, more salt and pepper. And it's like this sort of like faux candy. There's like no real technique. Like you don't need to yeah. like cook it for that long. It's kind of just like pecans and honey, but it's more pecan than honey. So they're like really sticky, but like toasted fennel, pecan, honey, like little clumpy mixture, like tossed in through the salad. Awesome. So delicious. I like was eating the pecan honey thing like with a spoon, like it was cereal. That sounds really good. I mean, that's also like, uh, that is like a salad with presents, you know? That is like a, mm-hmm. that is like a salad that I, I that is a salad that is a course, you know. A, yeah, like that stands on its course. own. That stands on its own. I feel like that sounds like a delicious salad, and it sounds like what our caller is looking for is something that is like maybe she's in charge of the salad and isn't going to just show up with like you know a bag of yeah. greens. Um, I feel like I feel yeah. I feel like if if the salad is your thing, that sounds like a perfect salad to bring to Thanksgiving or to you know, kind of, if you're looking at dress to impress, I feel like you can also, like, I love the sound of fresh herbs and like one good green, you know, cause there's so much, there's so much like woody mm-hmm. herb flavor throughout the meal. I feel like some mm-hmm. herbs and some nice greens and a little lemon juice and salt and pepper and olive oil is also totally acceptable. If, you know, 100%. If, you, if, if she's actually the person who's hosting and making everything else and is like, then I feel like you get a pass on the salad. And like some tasty greens, really simple dressing. But it has to be there. I don't... Yes. My best friend, Kate, she's always like, oh, we don't believe in salad and things. I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you don't believe in salad. I can't believe this is still a conversation we're having in this year of our Lord 2023. Like you need to have a salad at your Thanksgiving. Mayersons, if you're listening, give it a try. I think you're going to love... You're salad people. You like salad. So why not on this day? And and to your point, Emil, if I'm totally honest, I think, you know, the chicories, the pecan, the honey, it's an amazing salad. It's like a composed thing. It's great for vegetarians. It's vegan, blah, blah, blah. But in all honesty, I'm probably doing the bowl of greens with the picked tarragon, dill, lemon, salt, pepper, olive oil called it a day. Yeah. You I don't know think what you mean? need to like, make like a separate- It's the least separate, you can do. You right. need it. And, it. and it just depends on what's on your list. I don't think you should, you need to have like a if you're if you're making everything else, you don't need a separate shopping list, prep list for salad. You get right. a pass. Correct. And but yes, you need something raw, crunchy, yeah, like cold, delicious. Because there's just so much going on. Otherwise, you're just even if you only eat yeah. one bite. And you'll be so glad it's there. It's like, oh, that's actually really nice. What like a nice respite. Yeah, exactly. We are once again asking you to use salad. Put salad on your Thanksgiving table. Sorry. Go ahead. Next caller. Hi, Allison. My name is Kevin. I live in Los Angeles via Chicago. And my Thanksgiving themed question uh, for you is basically how to elevate my mashed potatoes and make them a little less, for lack of a better term, Midwest. I've got my turkey dialed in. Potatoes I make usually taste good enough. They just feel very heavy and don't seem to kind of go with everything else. So yeah, I was just looking for a way to kind of elevate that experience. Let me know. Thanks. Hmm. Everyone's always trying to elevate. I wish I knew more about what was wrong with mashed potatoes. 
Me too. I'm guessing cheese. I'm guessing like, oh. I'm guessing it's like mostly potato, a thing of heavy cream, maybe some cheese, a stick of butter, mashing mm-hmm. it, calling it a day. Yeah. I don't know. He said, he said very Midwest, so I'm using context clues. Well, there. he's also, yeah, he's also sounds like it's heavy, you know? So I'm like... Right, which is, so I'm, re- I'm hearing cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing white cheddar. I'm it's hearing sour cream. I'm hearing, I'm hearing excessive dairy. Mm-hmm. In my experience, the light, my, my secret ingredient, <laughs> I can't even, I can't take myself seriously and say those two words combined, but my secret ingredient for potatoes is buttermilk. And I did mm. this last year or the year before, and I'm, guess what? I'm doing it again this year. Buttermilk is a naturally low fat product, and that's not why I'm using it, but I will say it gives you viscosity, it gives you acidity, it gives you uh, a lightness. And it gives you dairy full flavor without the dairy full texture, right? Mm-hmm. And so in addition to heavy cream, instead of something like milk, which is, you know, I'd say it goes dairy, it goes buttermilk, milk, heavy cream in the spectrum of viscosity heaviness. So for me, the heavy cream is giving you flavor and fat and the buttermilk is giving you like viscosity and tang. And the yep. two of them combined give you like everything you want and more without them feeling especially heavy. Yeah. I think if your mashed potatoes are feeling heavy, they're also probably very dense and they probably need more liquid. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that, I think that like, as far as like the, the elevating part of this, I think that like acidity from some kind of like sour dairy product is going to go a long way, whether that's buttermilk, mm-hmm. which I think is a great addition or like sour cream, even though it is like thick and rich something tart and tangy is going to like make them, even if they are still rich and still have a lot of like the fat that you're looking for, it'll make it all like pop a little bit more. Also, yeah. and and this is maybe a controversial. Go on, go on, Emil. <laughs> I also do think like the, the liquid, like potatoes being dry is a huge problem. And like adding, you can, if you've like added all of the like dairy that you're interested in, in adding, a little bit of I sometimes think that people like over dry their potatoes after they're boiled and like you can add a splash of that cooking liquid if you want to like loosen right at the end you know who's not drying their potatoes miss allison roman me yeah i'm not doing that that's that's i i I aspire to having a special segment on the show called yeah i'm not doing that and i'm not doing that i'm not i'm not drying my potato but to your point like if you're cooking your potato in salted water and there's starch in the water, like it's like pasta water mm-hmm. in my mind. And like, it does, it's not, it shouldn't be the enemy. I don't know where we went down that path. Like we're not making gnocchi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, most people are, I, I think that you can just save a little bit of that water. If you've just, you know, dumped all of your potatoes through a, a, a colander or whatever, before you do that, just, just save like, a you know, a few cups of that water. Because you might want to add it later on if you're just like, we don't want more fat, but we just want a little little more lubrication. Yeah, you need a little bit more liquid. I also, I feel like in my years of recipe testing, other people's recipes, like whatever, I definitely feel like something came across the desk where I was adding like vegetable broth or chicken broth to my mashed potatoes. I would never do that, but I could see that being like, you know, I ate a boiled potato the other day that I was making for mashed potatoes. And I was like, damn, this is like, fluffy and creamy without me doing anything to it. Like potatoes are magical food. Mm -hmm. And 
crushed and like stirred in with some like chicken broth and vegan butter, that would make a delicious vegan mashed potato and it would be really, really light and beautiful. Um, I won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm indulging in the, in the dairy lifestyle these days, but. Yeah. Yeah. I also do think if you're looking for like one really easy way to like take the potatoes, like just make them feel a little bit more sophisticated is use some good potatoes. If you can get to a farmer's market and get like a, a nice fancy potato, they do, they do be tasting good. Hi, Allison. This is Elaine Golan from Brooklyn. I'm looking for exciting Thanksgiving ideas that will satisfy the vegan half of my family while also making the non-vegan half of the family, particularly my parents, feel like they're still having a traditional Thanksgiving. Please help us avoid family wars. Thank you. Okay. Well, my answer for this is my answer for anything that's dietary restriction related, which is I think it's like the worst thing that you can do is like upend your own menu planning. It's your Thanksgiving, you're hosting. What do you want to eat? What do you want to cook? That's to like be like, okay, there's two versions of this. There's three versions of that. Like this one has gluten-free. It's like, okay, enough. I find the easiest way to be like pick dishes that like are inherently without trying accommodating to a variety of diets. So like your green beans, they can be very easily vegan, very easily gluten-free. Your squash, your carrot, your whatever can easily be dairy-free. It can easily be gluten-free. Your stuffing, I'm sorry, I'm not making you a stuffing with gluten-free bread or without butter. I'm just not. Although I guess you can make stuffing with butter substitute. But we've come a long way with butter substitutes especially and other like dairy-free substitutes, i.e. with sour cream, yogurt, So when you can, I sort of default to like, okay, well, this is a dish made with only olive oil. Like it doesn't really need the butter. There's butter plenty elsewhere. Certain things, I'm like, the butter makes it and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fold. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't make any, don't make a less than version of anything that's on the table. You know, think of it as a way to like, for all of those things that, are delicious without animal products. Like make those, make them like emphatically vegan. And, you know, I I guess that's the thing that's weird to me is like, you don't get to decide to be vegan and then be like, and I also want awesome stuffing, you know? Or I also want like, you know, really creamy mashed potatoes because your mashed potatoes are going to like taste like coconut or something. Like, it's just going to be like weird. (laughs) And what you really want is for the things that are delicious vegan to to be vegan and like you know give your uh, to your be parents vegan. your parents what they want and like I, that the thing is like if you have enough delicious sides that are like vegetable sides that are vegan it's like that's just like going to like a modern restaurant you're like oh like a bunch yeah. of vegetables like that make together make a meal i would say like the one thing is like maybe make a second kind of potato you know make like a crispy potato mm. also that you've like boiled potatoes in really salty water. You crisp them in some olive oil. That'll be delicious. The like non-vegans will also uh, take that potato as well. And then you just got like yes. two flavored, two flavored potatoes. This year for home movies, Thanksgiving was the first year I had a vegan in attendance and delighted to report that they were able to eat several things on the table. I did make two different versions of the squash because it was one out of, nine people. And 
I felt really passionately about the way that the butter cooks the squash with the brown butt with the brown sugar and like it's like forever roasted squash like it roasts as long as the turkey which is like three and a half hours and it's just so wonderful with the butter and without the butter it's it's more like a good vegetable side right, right. like I mostly cook with olive oil in my everyday that's like I only really cook with butter at Thanksgiving kind of but to me it has such a distinct flavor that I was like well I'm not willing to compromise but it's just as easy for me to set some of the squash aside, throw some olive oil on it, brown sugar, sage leaves, throw that in the oven too. And that is at no cost to me. Right. You know, I'm not like making a separate pan of some, you know, it's not that wild. But I think like those types of small gestures are really appreciated. But, you know, also take it easy. Hi, Allison. Um, This is Alice. I'm calling from... New York City, and my Thanksgiving question is about dessert. So say, hypothetically, someone doesn't like pie or baked fruit, what could be something that's fun and exciting and uplifting post-Thanksgiving meal that's not like a heavy pumpkin cake or something, something that's just cheery and a little, a little sweet taste? To end your meal. Um, if you have any ideas, please, please do share. Thanks. I want to hear Emil's answer because I feel like you're, I'm like the obvious person to ask. Well, I guess I'm trying to figure out what they don't like pie. They don't want like a cake. Like they, it sounds like what they're asking for is something like, but then they're asking for something that's like a, a little more like uplifting. Or like, it sounds like what it, they're asking for is permission to not serve dessert, which yeah, yeah, yeah. permission granted. Which I think is totally fine. And I think you can like put out some citrus and like call it. Yeah. I, I don't, I think that the des- some people are really attached to the dessert part of Thanksgiving. If this caller is hosting, it's like, you do you. If like somebody wants, if somebody's yeah. like so outraged by that idea and they want to bring a pie and people can eat pie, fine. Yeah. But I think you have permission to just be like, I'm going to set out some bars of chocolate and some clementines and yeah, that is I have some vanilla dessert. ice cream in the freezer. Right. Yeah. That's like, I was going to say like ice cream or something like that, but I'm like, it's, is that not uplifting? That's like, you know, whatever that ice means. cream uplifts me every day. Sure does. <laughs> I'm constantly uplifted by ice cream. <laughs> I feel like my answer is also always like either caffeine or alcohol related, which isn't like awesome advice depending on who you are and your lifestyle. But I like, Freezing, you know, going to grab like two iced coffees from the whatever, freezing them, scraping them, serving them with like vanilla ice cream, like a little frozen affogato moment. Something that feels like festive, like you did something or like uh, just serving Amaro. You know what I mean? Like being like, this is what we're having. We're having a little Amaro and some like grapes, like Viva Italia, you know? Yeah. If I'm at a restaurant, the thing that I always have room for is like little baby portions of panna cotta. Um, or like little puddings. I, but the, again, that's like ice cream. It's like, I want like a little, little bowl of sweetened dairy is yeah. what I want. That uplifts me, but that can get hard with space. You and I are both lover, lovers of pudding. And I feel like to me, something mm-hmm. like that, like, boy, how do I, I don't want, you know, I don't need a lot. There's so much texture and so much like stuff going on in Thanksgiving that something like really, like, yeah, a few bites of like a really, delicious pudding or something like that feels like actually what I need rather than like five small slices of pie. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. So even if it is like rich, sometimes, sometimes like a small amount of something very rich is better than a lot of something that is less rich, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Most of my dessert consumption follows that rule where I'm like, I, I want like something intense and a little bit of it. Yeah. Next caller. Hi, Allison and guest. My name is Holly. I'm from North Carolina. And my husband and I are traveling for Thanksgiving by car. It's going to be like a seven-hour drive. And we probably won't arrive until that morning. And I'd love to bring a dish with us so that we don't have to scramble once we get there. But I don't know what the best dish is to prepare in North Carolina and then drive seven hours and then just heat up the day of Thanksgiving. Do you have any suggestions? Thank you. Bye. Well, seven hours is going to mean nine hours and you know it. So let's let's assume 10. (laughs) Let's assume 10 hours in the car. I mean, I feel like you answered this previously. Well, oh, I did? Yeah. When you're like, just make the food there. And oh, you were like, yeah. why are people trying to always bring something? But yeah, I think that I think that you can also like there are certain dishes where like think about it this way, you're not making the whole thing, but you can get everything ready so that all you're like, oh, all I need is like 15 minutes to put this together in the kitchen. So what would you bring if you were assuming 10 hours in the car? I mean, <laughs> This is like a weird thing that comes to mind if you want like a thing to just bring with you fully finished and made. It's like some braised greens because then you can just like pack that in a, you know, like some really nice braised greens, kale collards, blah, blah, blah. Maybe throw some herbs into and, you know, braise them so they're nice and tender and then pack those into just like plastic pork containers and you can keep that in a little cooler. It's like kind of compact, but like it has nice impact. I would go for that rather than something that's like a casserole that you have to have like fully. You would not go for casserole. I don't think so just because it, it feels like you need more cooler for that or like it's just like jangling around. Like that I hate the feels, word casserole. It feels disgusting in the mouth. Yeah. So I feel like or just like bring the stuff you know it's like thinking about the salad that you were describing. Mm-hmm. All of those things can be like done ahead and be like ready. You know, it's like your, your chicories can be washed. Your like yeah. fruit can be sliced. Your like nuts can be toasted and made delicious. And then all you have to do when you get there is actually like compose the salad. Yeah. I think a more ambitious salad that's already prepped and like ready to be assembled or something like a braised green or something like that, where it's just like, it's fully cooked. It's really compact and then can just be heated up when you get there. I agree. I don't know why, but I'm so married to green bean at Thanksgiving. Mm. It's like, I don't even think they're like especially in season, although there are some really nice Harry Covera around right now and we're getting close. But I don't know. I just can't think of another green vegetable that I want other than like a deep like collard green or like a stewed green in that way. So I could see that. But yeah, no one's being like, oh, you're hosting. Don't worry, I got the gravy that I'm bringing from 10 hours away. So I think it's also better to like ask your host, like what can I bring? And sometimes the answer can be like, I'm bringing the cranberry sauce. And it can be like, or I'm bringing all the wine or I'm bringing Amaro for dessert or I'm bringing seltzer water. Like you don't, you can also treat it like you're going to someone's house for dinner. And so asking what can I bring, practically speaking. But yeah, if they're like, bring a vegetable side, bring a side, assume not the stuffing, assume not the mashed potato. And then be like, cool, I'm going to bring roasted squash that I'm going to like, 
just pop in the oven for like an extra 20 when it's time to eat or something like that. Right. And don't worry about like bringing a cooler or packing it nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that 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 all makes good sense. Hi, Allison. This is Abby from Seattle. And I'm calling because Thanksgiving is almost upon us, which means that we as a country are about to be facing an epidemic of overcooked turkey. And I'm wondering if there's anything to be done with overcooked meat of any kind. Can you put it in a soup? Can you turn it into jerky? I don't know. Thanks. DIY jerky. No one's doing that. Nobody's doing that. That's wild style. I guess you could. I mean, I feel like as far, I mean, I guess like when people are talking about overcooked turkey, they're really just talking about overcooked breast meat, right? Probably. Although I've had some like bad thighs and bad like drumstick, like where it's like cooked for too long and not slow enough. So then it's like dry and shreddy or something. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's true. I mean, I feel like all the dark meat can totally go into soup or whatever. That feels like easy. Sure. The things that I'm going to describe now are things that you're not going to like. Ooh, hit me. I can't wait to hear. Wait, do you not like chicken salad? Wait, so you don't love mayonnaise? I don't. Yeah. But I like I like chicken turned into a salad. I don't like chicken salad. Right. Right. Yes. Well, I think that if you like chicken salad, you can make turkey salad and like the mayonnaise goes a long way to kind of covering it up sure some does of that, go a long way, doesn't it, Emil? <laughs> I also think if you like ch- cut up the meat and like reheat it in gravy and like eat that as like a kind of like chicken a la king sort of situation. Like What's over chicken some, a la king? We also, I grew up with creamed chicken, which is basically just like mm. a white cream gravy and then with like leftover like oven stuff or roaster meat like stirred into okay. that and like served over toast. It's pretty good. Oven, it's very oven crispy stuff roast or barely newer. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. I think, yeah, like any liquid is your friend here. So like, I mean, I'm going pot pie every year. It doesn't mm. matter. Pot pie. It's all going into a pot pie. You, like you can pot use the gravy. Pie. You don't even have to make a roux. We're going pot pie. So We're going like pozole. We're doing like turkey, bean, chili. We're doing... Oh. You think it's weird that I like pot pie? Yeah. Why? Because it's... It's a it's perfect a- food. It's everything. It's like all of the things you don't like. It's like really creamy and wet. It's crispy gone soggy. No, it's still crispy. The so- It never gets soggy. Mine never gets soggy. What? Oh, because you bake the pot, the crust separately and just like eat no, those? No, because like, I bake as- it properly and for long enough. And so it gets really crusty and crispy and brown and it stays crispy, crunchy, brown. You can tap on it. You can, yeah, you can but- tap on it and it makes a sound because it's so crunchy and it stays crunchy. I think you're. I, I think you're living in a fantasy. No, that's true. Way. And I made one the other day with my turkey leftovers because I've had so much fucking turkey, and it was so phenomenal. And it was actually it was it was vegan because I was wanting to try the Dufour plant based puff pastry. Oh, how is it? To see if it was as good or comparable to the butter. And I'm here to report that it is is excellent product. Amazing. Oh, Not sponsored. So good to hear. I loved oh. it. It doesn't have as much salt as mm-hmm. the butter version. But it was very, very crispy, very, very flaky. I texted Nick Perkins immediately. I was like, bro, have you heard of this dairy-free? Because <laughs> he's, you know, he's a chef, but doesn't do dairy. And he's afflicted. Um, I know. He's, yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, I think like liquid soups, stews, don't do jerky at home. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. 
Hello, my name is uh, Will from Baltimore. First time, long time. And my question is, how many MGs is too many MGs for uh, Thanksgiving dinner for the family? I'll hang up and listen. What did he end that call with? How many MGs? I'm assuming he means milligrams. Is he talking is he THC? Talking about like, what's me? going on here? Oh, my brother from Baltimore. I don't know, like, you're from Baltimore. Is that like, is that Baltimore slang or something? Uh, I, dude, I do not know. I'm going to say 2.5 and below if you're me. He's talking about 2.5 is almost, yeah, 2.5 MGs is almost too much for me anyway. There is, I mean, whatever, you know, I have a, a, a long-standing and evolving relationship with cannabis products. <laughs> We're always listening. We're always learning. We're always listening. We're always learning. And uh, the idea of being high on Thanksgiving makes me so anxious. Sounds like hell. I think that if you're like, if you're a person for whom that works as like, you know, if you're like stressed about Thanksgiving, being around family, and it like helps you to like mellow out and like, like a family pet who travels and needs. Yeah, like the, I mean, then I would know, say I like know. I would say like five, you know. But for me, yeah. that would just make me that would not solve any of my problems. Yeah, or maybe like wait to hit the MGs after you've hit the turkey. Like you want to be like you want to be like generally present, and then you can decide how not present you want to be. Maybe after dinner. Although, like, do I sound like? A narc? Like, don't let me... I don't want to tell you how to live your like, life. get high if you want to get high. 10 but, MGs. I don't know. But also, if, if it were talking MGs of Xanax, five. <laughs> five MGs is a good the amount. The answer is just five, no matter what. Whatever you're talking about. Let five. it wash over you. <laughs> yeah. Just feel... Let it... Wa- yeah. I don't know. But I'm not the right person to ask about cannabis. Yeah, nor am I really... <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So I think that that is it for our questions. I love that that's the one we ended on. I, I hope that we answered the MGs question correct because if we're talking different types of things, then five MGs of one is different than five MGs of another. Or if he's talking about milligrams of salt for the dry brine, then. And we're way off. And then we're way off. Yeah. This is a family show. Last time, they, someone was offended by an image in Sweet Enough because it was like, a man in swimming shorts and like they showed it to their 12-year-old and they were like aghast. Oh. And I was like, when did anyone think that I was like making family content? <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, weed is legal in most states. So everybody calm down. Okay. Well, Emil, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you are a busy family man. Not that that's your own, you also have a full-time job. <laughs> I don't mean to, you know, pigeonhole you as a father, but... I'm so excited that this is your first Thanksgiving with your new baby. Oh, and me too. it's going to be so special. It's going to be really beautiful. I know that you're going to like, you know, one day Sonny's going to talk about his dad's potatoes the way that you talk about Andy's. And I think that's really sweet. Hey, here's hoping. Thanks for having me, Allison. This is super fun. Of course. This episode is brought to you by Maker's Mark. Solicited Advice is hosted by me, Allison Roman. Our podcast is produced by Jennifer Sullivan with the help of Elena Rodriguez-Via. Technical production and editing is handled by Red Rock Music, and our theme music was created by Yosef Monroe. You can watch a video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel. And for questions, sponsorship inquiries, or anything else, please visit us at allisoneroman.com slash podcast. 